the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Judges. they gotten to this place? Because what we read earlier at the end of chapter 8, they began to prostitute themselves and worship other gods. And when you don't have God central to your life, you're going to do all kinds of crazy, wicked things. I mean, that's just, that's just fact for every single one of us. That's a takeaway for every single one of us. When you don't keep God central to your life, you're going to end up doing crazy, sinful things. And this is what happens. See, because when we remove God, then we have no moral compass. Many Christians find themselves in the place Pastor Gary describes in today's message. You've accepted Jesus as your Savior. You've been attending church and gotten involved. It was all exciting at one time, but eventually you settled into a kind of spiritual cruise control. Before long, you're zoning out and getting distracted from your purpose as his follower. You're still his child. You can't change that. But losing your focus can still bring serious pain and destruction in your life. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Judges, chapter 9, with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. We are here in Judges chapter 9, where we left off from last week. Let me just summarize where we've been, and then I'm going to actually read a few verses at the end of chapter 8 so we can kind of get a running start. Uh, Gideon has been serving as the fifth judge of Israel. He is the one who gets the most press coverage in the Bible among all of the judges. And um, Gideon because of his leadership as a judge, and again, the judges for which this particular book is named, uh, simply means a military leader at this particular time. He has served well. He's been used by God. And as a result um, of being used by God and with, of course, God's lead, uh, Gideon successfully with the Israeli army defeated the Midianites And it has resulted in, chapter 8 says, 40 years of peace. And so the people of Israel have been enjoying 40 years of peace under Gideon's leadership. Now, Gideon had many strengths, but he had one particular weakness. He had a weakness for women. That is not unique to his story. That's, the, that's the, unfortunately the tragic story of, 
Uh, a lot of people we're going to see when we get to Samson as the last of the 12 judges mentioned in the book of Judges. He particularly has a weakness for women. But the Bible says that Gideon, at the end of chapter 8, Gideon had many wives. It doesn't say how many, it just says many, which means there were many battles over the thermostat in his house. That's what that means. It also means he had zero closet space. That's what it means. So he had many wives. And he also had a concubine. And as a result of his relationship with many wives and a concubine, he had 70 sons. Okay, so this is, a, this is an area of Gideon's life where he did not really have that much self-control. He really wasn't walking with the Lord in that regard. And one of the sons that he has among the 70, the one son that was born to his relationship with his concubine was a son named Abimelech. Abimelech from two Hebrew words, Abba, father, Melech, king. And so Abimelech's name means my father is king. You know, you got to have a little bit of an ego if you're going to name your kid, my father is king. So that's the way Gideon thought of himself, even though he didn't really position himself as king over Israel. But this son who bears that name will in fact do that. That's what chapter nine is all about, that we're about to read. Gideon's son, Abimelech, born to him by this concubine, because of the vacuum of leadership that is created upon his father Gideon's death, Abimelech will assert himself as the king of Israel. This isn't even the monarchy yet. This isn't even the time of Israel's history. He's going to be crowned the first king of Israel. Now, I know when we think of the monarchy and we think of the list of the kings of Israel, when you, if you know your Bibles and you know biblical history, Saul was the, the first king of Israel. But Abimelech is actually going to be crowned king as the first king ever crowned in Israel. It's an illegitimate reign, but nevertheless, he's actually going to be crowned here in a moment as the first king of Israel. God doesn't recognize it. The people do. Again, it's an illegitimate reign, but he's crowned as the first king of Israel in their history. So that's the backstory. Let me read the last few verses of chapter 8 so we can get a running start into chapter 9. If you'll look there with me, uh, verse 33, it says, So it was as soon as Gideon was dead that the children of Israel again played the harlot, they prostituted themselves in other words, with the Baals. Now the Baals are the false gods of their uh, neighboring nations that were pagan nations. So they, Israel starts to worship these false gods. They played the harlot. They prostitute themselves with the Baals and made Baal Berith, which literally means Lord of the Covenant, their God. Okay, not the God of, of Israel, not the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They make this false God, Baal Berith, their God. Thus, the children of Israel did not remember the Lord their God who had delivered them from the hands of all their enemies on every side, nor did they show kindness to the house of Jeroboam, that's Gideon, in accordance with the good he had done for Israel. So you're familiar with this cycle of sin in the book of Judges, and so what we find now after 40 years of peace, as a result of Gideon's leadership, the people after his death, 
begin to resort to their old ways. They forsake the Lord their God. They forget the God who's given them victory and peace. The very reason they have rest from all their enemies is because of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. How quickly they have forgotten him. They forsake him and they start to worship the Baals. The principal God, Baal Barith, this Lord, small L, Lord of the covenant, they start to worship this false God. And so they are now, I'll just circle it, they're at this stage again in this cycle. They fall into sin and idolatry. And so now as we look into chapter 9, here comes Abimelech because he sees this as an opportune time for him to capitalize upon to assert himself in the leadership role that his father has left since his father has died. But, you know, it was always God's prerogative to appear to someone to tap them on the shoulder to raise them up as the next judge. This is not, you know, Abimelech's right to do such a thing. And we're going to see here he's an evil guy. It's all about self-promotion. He's going to kill people who get in his way. That's how he's going to secure the throne. So he's a brutal guy, as we're going to see here in a minute. But look at chapter 9 with me, verse 1. It says, then Abimelech, that's the son born to Gideon by this concubine. Then Abimelech, the son of Jeroboam, that's another name for Gideon, went to Shechem to his mother's brothers and spoke with them and with all the family of the house of his mother's fathers, saying, please speak in the hearing of all the men of Shechem. Which is better for you, that all 70 of the sons of Jeroboam of Gideon reign over you, or that one reign over you? Remember that I am your own flesh and bone. Okay, so he goes to Shechem. This is where his mother was from. We find out back in chapter 8 that when Gideon had this relationship with this concubine, he's having this adulterous affair. Uh, she is from Shechem. This child is born to that relationship, Abimelech. He goes back to Shechem, and he, and he appeals to his uncles, his mother's brothers. And he says to all his uncles, who are probably influential in the, in the town of Shechem, you know, listen, uh, Gideon is dead. My dad is dead. Uh, he's got 70 sons. I'm one of them. Uh, but I'm the only one who's really your flesh and blood because I've come from Shechem. And so I'm one of you, right? And so because you're one of me and we're in the same hood, you need to support me. And I need to be your next leader because you don't want 70 guys who are my, like, you know, half brothers. You don't want them, the other 69 guys, to be ruling over you. If, if you have the opportunity to have somebody to rule over you, wouldn't you want it to be somebody who's from among your own clan, among your own people? And they buy into this. Keep reading, verse 3. And his mother's brothers spoke all these words concerning him in the hearing of all the men of Shechem. And their heart was inclined to follow Abimelech, for they said, he is our brother. So they gave him 70 shekels of silver from the temple of Baal Berith, with which Abimelech hired, notice this, worthless and reckless men, and they followed him. Okay, now, 70 shekels. They give him some startup money. They're, so they take up this little, you know, collection. They're at Shechem. They're like, okay, Abimelech, you're our leader. You're our hero. So we're going to give you some startup money so you can, you know, gather together a band of men, some ragtag army, and start to take leadership of our nation. They gather together 70 shekels. Now, remember last week we talked about how Gideon, back in chapter 8, he had received an offering from all of his soldiers who had taken earrings off of the Midianites, and it amounted to... Uh, 1,700 shekels of gold. And we talked about how in modern terms, 
In modern dollars, that would be the equivalent of 1.3 million, because we're talking about gold and shekels. It mattered about 43 pounds of gold. So in today's dollar, it would be about $1.3 million. Here, it's not gold, it's silver, and it's not 1,700 shekels, it's 70. So based on the, and I did this calculation multiple times today, I'm like, really? Is this all it was? The dollar equivalent today would be 700 bucks. That's it. Dollar equivalent today. So think about how are you going to hire a group of people and you got to spread $700 among them. So let's just say, it doesn't say the number. Let's just say he gathered 70 guys. He's paying them 10 bucks each. 10 bucks each. Hey, you know, but that's what you get when you're going to get worthless and reckless guys, right? Those are the words that are used here. These are worthless and reckless guys. Now, some translations, literally, the King James says, um, light and vain, light and vain guys. So these are lightweights, they're vain, and, um, and the Hebrew for light uh, is pachaz, it means unimportant. The Hebrew for vain is rake, and it means empty. These are unimportant, empty guys. They're like, yeah, for 10 bucks, okay. All right, we'll come. All right, what you, what you got? I got you 10 bucks, that's all I got. All right, all right. So they, they leave their video games and their moonshine, and they're like, all right, we'll be your ragtag army for 10 bucks each. And so here, here they go. But it gets bloody here. I mean, it gets horrible here. Look what happens. He takes this bunch of guys that he's just hired for the equivalent of $700 in today's dollars. Verse 5, and then he went to his father's house at Ophrah and killed his brothers, the 70 sons of Jeroboam, on one stone. Like they gather up all 70. Now we're going to see in a minute that one of them escapes. And so, and Abimelech is one of them. So 68. He's going to take 68 of his half brothers. And there's apparently some big stone there. And he just, you know, brings them out one by one, probably beheads them, just slaughters them on the stone one by one, kills them all. This is how he secures the throne. So you get the picture of what kind of a guy he is. The next sentence, but Jotham, the youngest son of Jeroboam, was left because he had hid himself. And all the men of Shechem gathered together, all of Beth Milo, and they went and made Abimelech king beside the terebinth tree at the pillar that was in Shechem. Okay? So he's the first king crowned in Israel. Again, an illegitimate reign. But nevertheless, he's asserted himself. And how did he assert himself? By killing all the opposition. And this is the kind of guy that he is. This is the kind of leader now that Israel has. And how have they gotten to this place? Because what we read earlier at the end of chapter 8, they began to prostitute themselves and worship other gods. And when you don't have God central to your life, you're going to do all kinds of crazy, wicked things. I mean, that's just, that's just fact for every single one of us. That's a takeaway for every single one of us. When you don't keep God central to your life, you're going to end up doing crazy, sinful things. And this is what happens. See, because when we remove God, then we have no moral compass. And when you have no moral compass, then you think you are the judge and arbiter of everything. And then you start doing things that are the result of our base sinful nature. So that's why every single one of us needs God as our moral compass. We need to constantly be, you know, having the Holy Spirit check us and say, this is right, this is wrong. 
say this, don't say that, do this, don't do that, because, you know, we are dependent upon the constant guidance of the Holy Spirit to do what is right, because left to ourselves, we will always do what is wrong. Does everybody get that? I mean, that's, that's reality of human nature. Left to ourselves, we will always do wrong, but if we constantly are surrendering to God and submitting to him, then there's more hope for us to do what is right. So Abimelech is this guy, he has no room for God, and the nation now has departed from worshiping God, they're worshiping idols, this is the result of what they get. Now, what is ironic here is that it says, let me read again verse 6, and all the men of Shechem gathered together, all of Beth Milo, and they went and made Abimelech king beside the terebinth tree at the pillar that was in Shechem. At the pillar the pillar, what kind of a pillar was at Shechem? Would you leave the book of Judges and just hang a left a little bit and go to the last chapter of Joshua? Would you go back to Joshua chapter 24? And I want, you show, I want to show you what the pillar is because there's some tragic irony in what is happening. So while you're turning to the left there to find Joshua chapter 24, the, the location is Shechem. The men of Shechem have made Abimelech king. This is all in defiance of God. This has all been the result of a massacre of 68 sons of Gideon. And they're doing all of this. They're crowning Abimelech at this tree in Shechem where there's a pillar. So here's what we find out about the pillar. Back at the end of Joshua chapter 24, Look at verse 23. Now, this is Joshua speaking. This is before Joshua dies. He's been the leader of of Israel. He inherited the leadership role from Moses. It was God's appointment. And these are some of his parting words that he says to the Israelites. Now, this is Joshua 24, verse 23. Now, therefore, he said, put away the foreign gods which are among you and incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, the Lord our God, we will serve And his voice we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and made for them a statute, not a statute, okay? This is a law and an ordinance in where? Shechem, okay? Next verse. Then Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God and he took a large stone. Here's the pillar. And set it up there under the oak this is the terebinth tree that was, in, that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, behold, this stone, this pillar here, will be a witness to us, for it has heard all the words of the Lord which he spoke to us. It shall therefore be a witness to you, lest you deny your God. And so Joshua let the people depart each to his own inheritance. Your attention. Where they have just crowned Abimelech and made him this unrighteous king by their own evil design following the slaughter of all of Gideon's sons happened at the very location where Joshua set up this stone as a witness against them that they should never depart from the word of God. 
This is tragic irony. I almost envision there's this pillar. I almost envision them like leaning on it, leaning on the very thing that was supposed to be a reminder to them. You better follow God. You better follow his word. You better obey everything that God says. And they're leaning on it like, yeah, Abimelech, that was a good move. You know, you slaughtered all those, you know, those children of Gideon. And now it's time for us to crown you king. Like such defiance and disregard for the standard of God. And they're making this guy king in the shadow of the very thing that was supposed to remind them, do not, do not depart from the law of God or it will be to your own peril. And this is what they're doing. This is the scene now back here in in Judges chapter nine. You can turn back there. So it's just, it's very sad here because what we realize is they did, they did not read nor did they heed the word of God. They did not read it, nor did they heed it. Because here they are, denying the word of God and defying the word of God. And the further you stray from God and his word, the more your human nature will rule the day. And it's it's a terrible thing. And so, keep reading verse 7. Now, when they told Jotham, okay, remember Jotham, he was the youngest son of Gideon who escaped the slaughter. So he, you know, he took off, he ran, he hid. And when they told Jotham, he went and stood on top of Mount Gerizim and lifted his voice and cried out and he said to them, okay, now do you remember Mount Gerizim? Because that was also back in the book of Joshua. And before that, it was in the book of Deuteronomy. There were two mountains in Israel. They're still there today, Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal. And what Moses instructed in Deuteronomy 7 transpired in Joshua chapter 8. In Deuteronomy 27, Moses said, when you guys get to the promised land, I want you to divide the Israelites in half, and I want half of the Israelites to stand on Mount Gerizim and read the blessings if you obey the word of God. Here's what's going to happen in your life if you obey God's word. The other half of the Israelites stand on Mount Ebal. They're right next to each other with Shechem in the middle, a little valley in the middle. And, And those standing on Mount Ebal are to read the curses. Here's what's going to happen if you disobey the word of God. So Gerizim and Ebal. And so Jotham takes to Mount Gerizim, the very place that they remember the law of God was read and all the blessings of God. And he gives this warning. Now, you know, this is a brave guy because he, you know, he hightailed it out of there when he saw Abimelech slaughtering all of his brothers. But now he shows up on Mount Gerizim. He's a little emboldened here. And he is going to, you know, recite this Parable that comes from his heart. You know, so, I don't know, maybe it was a rap. I don't know, you know, but here, he's on Mount Gerizim rapping. But here's, here's what it is. And he said to them, listen to me, you men of Shechem, that God may listen to you. The trees once went forth to anoint a king over them. And they said to the olive tree, reign over us. But the olive tree said to them, should I cease giving my oil with which they honor God and men and go to sway over trees? And then the tree said to the fig tree, you come and reign over us. But the fig tree said to them, should I cease my sweetness and my good fruit and go to sway over trees? And then the tree said to the vine, you come and reign over us. But the vine said to them, should I cease my new vine? My new wine, which cheers both God and men and go to sway over trees. Okay, your attention for a second. So he's, you know, reciting this kind of parable thing to the men of Shechem. 
And what, what we find out is this, it's going to be this confrontational, basically a rebuke that he puts kind of in a poetic way as a parable. And he says there are three, I mean a vine is not really a tree, but, but there are three trees, there, there are three, um, you know, uh, two trees and, and a vine, and these are noble things. You know, you have an olive tree, you have a fig tree, and you have a vine that produces grapes and produces wine. And so and he puts it in these parable terms. He goes, you know, the trees ask the olive tree, would you rule over us? And the olive tree's like, no, 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 I, I'm not going to do that. That's not my role. That's not my place. What about the fig tree? No, 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 that's not my place. I've got fruit to produce. What about the vine? No, 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 no that's not my place. I, I don't want to do this. So it's pictures of, of people who um, are refusing, they're reluctant to, to reign over the people. But now he, he switches in the parable and he, and he moves on to a bramble or some of your translations say a thorn bush. And this is a picture of Abimelech. Okay, in verse 14, he says, then all the trees said to the bramble or the thorn bush, you come and reign over us. And the bramble said to the trees, if in truth you anoint me as king over you, then come and take shelter in my shade. But if not, let fire come out of the bramble and devour the cedars of Lebanon. Thank you for joining us today here on Cornerstone Connection. You've been listening to a message from the book of Judges. It's a great reminder to the kid inside us, to the human flesh that is a bent to fulfill its own desires. Whatever we do, someone always sees it. Nothing goes unnoticed, especially those things we wished had been overlooked. Isn't that the role of a parent, though, to discipline the behavior of sin? Jesus is the same way with the Israelite nation and us. He doesn't allow sin to go without consequence. But He's also lovingly fair and desires each one of us to return to Him. Maybe you felt like that kid who's gotten off track with God. We can't be perfect, but we can pray that we'll have the strength to do what's right and follow in God's footsteps. Are you struggling with that? Would you like someone to pray with you? If so, please email us at prayer at cornerstonechapel.net. Cornerstone Connection is a ministry located in Leesburg, Virginia, committed to sharing the love of Christ with you through sound biblical teachings that meet you where you're at. To find out more about us, visit cornerstoneconnection.cc. That website again is cornerstoneconnection.cc. Thanks for listening to this edition of Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know You're not alone Real love is calling Listen, truth opens up your eyes
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.